The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that I'll warn you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com. And sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to see the face that's made for radio, you can head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Scroll down. We're uh, playing right there live on the right. And you can enlarge that to watch the video portion of the show. You can also catch that on my Twitter account at FPPTim. You can also go to my Setting Brushfires Periscope account, and you can catch the video feed there. We're also broadcasting on Facebook at Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. Beforeitsnews.com uh, carries us there every morning, every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and Bradley's on in the afternoon at 3 p.m. Monday through Saturday. And then finally on DLive.tv, we've got a lot of friends over there as well. We appreciate you guys at the Sons of Liberty, the Sons of Liberty on DLive.tv. And if you're branching out um, other places on the, the web and social media, Spreely Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. Now, um, a while a while back, about a week or, week or so ago, uh, we had scheduled for Dylan and I to get together and talk about this issue with the arrest of Ghislaine Maxwell. We had on the July the 2nd, the FBI had, I'm going to say allegedly, I'm going to get Dylan's response on this, allegedly arrested her because I haven't seen any um, uh, mug shots. We haven't seen the perp box. I, I did see where she's supposed to appear in court, uh, but we had, we did for some reason, we didn't get together. I think there was a miscommunication between us on things. But Dylan has joined me this morning. Dylan Howard is uh, he's a founder of Radar Online, if I believe, if I'm correct. Uh, Dylan, you can correct me on that. And you are also the uh, author of Dead Men Tell No Tales uh, about Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, in that, you guys have years, five or six years or so of investigative journalism that went into that book on Jeffrey Epstein and Miss Maxwell. And uh, first of all, let me welcome you. We had you back in December on Setting Brush Fires. Now at Sons of Liberty, I want to welcome you for the first time to Setting Brush Fires, brother. It's good to be with you, Tim, as always. Thank you very much for your time. Yes, sir. I, I'm glad to have you. I'm, I forgot to pull you up before the, um, uh, the, the show started here. And uh, this way, everybody gets to see Dylan. Um, and, uh, and he's on with me um, today. Um, let me ask you, you heard the news that she's been arrested. 
do you do you believe that? I mean, are you like me? Are you a little skeptical on what's going on, or or do you really have you checked into that? And she's really arrested. Undoubtedly, the reality here is that this was a clandestine FBI operation, and her presence in federal custody remains clandestine too. She is being housed at the Metropolitan, at the not the Metropolitan Correctional Centre, I should say, where Jeffrey Epstein was found dead of an apparent suicide. She is in the Brooklyn Correctional Facility. Now, what has emerged over the last week was a narrative from federal prosecutors that Ghislaine Maxwell didn't resist arrest, that they uh, knocked down the door of her house as they typically do in a raid-type situation. There were 15 SUVs that went straight to the top of the property in New Hampshire and arrested her without any incident. Now, we learned in court documents, however, that it wasn't as simple as that. Now the federal government is saying uh, that Ghislaine Maxwell uh, was seen trying to flee to another room and also they discovered that her cell phone uh, was wrapped in aluminum foil uh, to try and avoid detection. Now, I must say, from the people that I talk to, I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that Ghislaine Maxwell was trying to avoid law enforcement detection. The reality is her lawyers have long believed that the 2007 or 2008 agreement that Jeffrey Epstein struck with prosecutors uh, in South Florida protected what was classified as other individuals. Those individuals are alleged co-conspirators in his sex child trafficking ring, and Ghislaine Maxwell believed that that immunity provision would prevail. Now, of course, the Southern District doesn't believe that in New York because it arrested Jeffrey Epstein last July at Teterboro Airport and was attempting to tell the court that any immunity deal that had been struck in a jurisdiction didn't necessarily apply to the 96 other jurisdictions around. So Ghislaine Maxwell was very confident that she wasn't going to be nabbed by the feds. She believed her uh, immunity agreement would be in play. So if anything, she's guilty of excessive hubris. Okay. All right. So we, we've got the issue with, with Jeffrey here. We've got this sweetheart deal that he, that he got. Um, and we're not even going to get into the issues of the politics of what resulted as they came about as a result of that, because we know uh, who was the guy, Alexander, uh, who was moved up into labor secretary shortly thereafter. Um, I mean, just a lot of that to me is just questionable in my mind. And we, and look, it happened on both sides. I think the guy's a Republican. There was a Democrat guy who was close in, in tied with that. And this should tell people that we're it's really in we're not in a, a two party system here. It's really one party. They work together in all these things. But you're talking about she has an immunity agreement in this as well. Is that correct? Am I understanding you correctly on that? So the immunity agreement did not afford for specific individuals. It just said others that were involved in Epstein's crimes. 
So that could only be alleged co-conspirators. But the federal government is now arguing that immunity in one state or one jurisdiction doesn't afford for immunity in another. That's not being tested by a court of law. So if uh, Ghislaine Maxwell decides to defend this six-count indictment, then this is going to be critical to that notion. It really, she really only has three options. She could take a plea deal and admit guilt and try and whittle down a 30 to 35-year potential jail term. But either way, if she takes that situation, she's going to die in prison. She's never going to see daylight again. Um, Not through a suicide or anything like that. She's just 58 years of age and 30 years of jail is unlikely to to see her uh, effectively rot in hell. The other option is to defend the case, and I want to get into that specifically in a little bit, Uh, but the third would be to tell tell all on those that might be implicated in the Epstein and Maxwell sex trafficking ring. Now, I'm told she won't blow the whistle on Prince Andrew and certain individuals, but you don't really get a choice on who you blow the whistle on. If you tell on one, you must tell on all. Now, if she chooses to defend this six-count indictment, I would suggest that prosecutors would be very surprised because the Southern District of New York is notorious for never taking a case to trial unless they believe it's unimpeachable. And typically, most cases don't go to trial. But if Maxwell decides to defend this, really what we're going to find is that if you look down the rabbit hole, you might find something far more sinister. And the reality, as you pointed out, Tim, is that both uh, sides of the political aisle are incriminated, incriminating uh, in this particular scenario. We know that the child sex trafficking ring took place. The government turned a blind eye to it. Why? Because Maxwell and Epstein were getting compromat information on key individuals and selling it without impunity to Israeli intelligence, Russia and Saudi Arabia, and the US government knew all about it and did nothing to stop it, which makes the child sex trafficking ring all the more heartbreaking that there are so many innocent victims whose lives and souls have been destroyed by the actions of not only Epstein and Maxwell, but the U.S. government itself. No, I couldn't agree more. And uh, and that was the next question I was going to ask you, which you you hit on right there. And that is, what what about this issue here with um, uh, when we're dealing with the Israelis? See, because I brought this up before to some people who are supposed to be uh, intelligence people, and they're like, what, they would never spy on us. They, they've, they're allies. And I'm just thinking, how naive can we be? But you mentioned Russia and other people that they were working for. We've had, we've had at least one man come out. Um, and I don't know if it's been a while since I did the story, but he was either the handler of Ghislaine or he was, he was working with her father. And he was saying 
that this is what they were running for. They were running sort of a Mossad operation, sort of a honeypot deal to get men compromised so they could control them. Am I, is that really that far off base here? No, that's spot on, uh, Tim. And as to the point about Israel being an ally and spying on the United States, I think that there was a report in the last couple of years that had identified more than 200 instances in which the Israelis had been caught spying on the US government. And likewise, the US government is likely spying on Israel. That is just part of geopolitics. Now, um, as for the second point of your question, um, there is no doubt uh, Ari Ben Mashani has spoken and he is a former uh, Mossad spy who was the handler of Ghislaine Maxwell's father, Robert Maxwell, the late media tycoon who died under mysterious circumstances off the back of a yacht. Um, he was a known spy and Ari Ben Mashani, speaking to James Robertson for Epstein Dead Men Tell No Tales, recounted how there was this transfer, if you like, of the business from Robert Maxwell to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine. It also goes a very long way, Tim, to helping to explain how Jeffrey Epstein could have amassed a $500 million fortune and Maxwell, likewise, a very handsome uh, a portfolio of bank accounts that that's likely where the money was coming from. Yeah, and he, and and it's amazing to me. This is um, this is some of the stuff that the the mainstream media will not put out. We had um, Whitney Webb; she contributes with us. Excellent reporter, terrific reporter. Yeah, and and just uh, this stuff on on the Israeli connection is just incredible. I mean, I think she did a, an entire series, like three or five. Uh, papers and when Whitney does something, it's not like <laughs> your normal little blog post. It's it's filled with uh, uh, sourcing and uh, and information that you just you just don't get in the mainstream media anymore. You used to get stuff like this a long, long, long time ago. You don't really get a lot of this anymore. And a lot of people have been so schmoozed. I, I don't know if that's the proper term. They've been so schmoozed to think that well, with our allies surely they're not spying on us. And I keep emphasizing this, especially with Israel, um, because of the problems. I mean, a lot of our wars exist because of Israel, to be honest, in the Middle East, at least. Um, we've got a lot that's going on there. And um, this information, though, came out about um, this guy out of Israel, this this spy himself. Uh, and you used him in your book, too, right? Didn't you say you mentioned him in your book? Mm-hmm. OK, and uh, I'm just going to show people real quickly. This is uh, Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies and Blackmail. No, it's not a movie just yet, but they, I'm sure that something will be made of it soon enough. And um, one of the things is, is that they're working together and they're not just working on Pedo Island, so to speak. They're working up in, uh, was it Manhattan as well? They're working in several places there. And uh, what is some of the things that they're doing? What are some of the things uh, just Lane specifically was doing for Epstein during this time? So it, it is alleged that most heinously that she was also involved in the pedophilia, that she was involved in the sex acts with underage women and Jeffrey Epstein. It is also alleged that she was the procurer of these young women and that she would 
prey upon the vulnerable and offer them cash to give Epstein massages, which ultimately then would turn into, in most cases, statutory rape. Um, Maxwell uh, has denied any wrongdoing in this. But as I point out, the Southern District of New York is often referred to as a sovereign nation in terms of law enforcement because of the sheer power that it has in policing Manhattan, one of the largest cities in the world. Um, They don't bring these cases unless they know they're going to win. So I would believe that Ghislaine Maxwell is up the proverbial creek without a paddle. Well, I'm kind of wondering, should we also say that Give a forewarning that Miss um, Maxwell has not killed herself. I mean, is that, I, do you sense that something like, because everybody was um, pretty much predicting this with Jeffrey Epstein, that somebody was going to off this guy or they're going to fake it and get him out of the, out of the pen, so to speak. Do you foresee something like that coming for Miss Maxwell? Look, it would be pure <laughs> hypothetical hyperbole if I was to just, to suggest anything like that. I have no reason to suggest that she uh, could be the victim of an assassination. And, you know, I do chuckle at that, and it's a very serious topic, but um, I just don't see how that could occur. What is clear is that the Department of Justice or the Department of Corrections right royally screwed up Jeffrey Epstein. You don't put someone back into regular prison population two weeks after they attempt to commit suicide, give them linens, uh, give them electrical cords as part of appliances and prescription pills. It was almost like an assisted suicide. Such was the negligence of the Metropolitan Correctional Centre. Ghislaine Maxwell is the most watched prisoner in the United States. But what I also found interesting as part of the federal government's uh, opposition to her seeking bail was that they said that she had bodyguards at the property and these were former British military operatives. I don't believe for one moment Ghislaine Maxwell engaged ex-British intelligence or army figures to protect her. I believe that the UK government likely supported that and they likely supported that because a key target or maybe not a target because that's a legal word, a key witness or uh, potential subject of this ongoing investigation is the Duke of York, Prince Andrew. So one must then put the spectre of MI6 into this and whether or not MI6 is involved in harbouring Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I can see all these kind of things working together. And then the question becomes, um, you know, did they have anything on anybody other than Prince Andrew? If they've worked out something with Prince Andrew, where she's not going to be, you know, blabbering about him, which you said, well, that's really not a, that's not an issue. You, you mentioned, um, and I, I, my mind is going in two different directions. Let me ask you about that first. The issue with Prince Andrew, if she's not going to blabber about him, then are they going to, do you suspect they're going to give her a deal? I mean, that's that's a pretty big high profile thing. I mean, I think he's been outed clearly that he's lying about his issue with uh, Virginia Roberts. We have an email 
Uh, we did a story on that where Ghislaine had um, sent him an email. He had sent her one back specifically referencing Virginia Roberts, who he says, no, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with that. And it's clear that he had questions um, later on down the road about specifically about Miss Roberts. And in speaking about her, uh, I was just going to show people quickly. This was the email uh, in the article we had from the Duke of York uh, to Miss Maxwell. Uh, let me know when we can talk. Got some specific questions to ask you about Virginia Roberts. And this is like, what is this? this is like 2015. So it's many years later. Um, do you think that has something to do with why they might be willing to protect her? Maybe they've made a deal on the other side of the pond, so to speak. Well, it would be an international constitutional crisis if the U.S. government were to extradite Prince Andrew. But this, the, the possibility of Prince Andrew testifying if Ghislaine Maxwell uh, attempts to defend the six-count indictment is highly likely. He won't have a choice in that matter. But you have to also appreciate how the Southern District of New York likely got to this position. In order to prosecute Ghislaine Maxwell, they probably went to anyone that had compromising information on her or could have been a cooperating witness, someone that might have been another alleged co-conspirator, hypothetically a uh, chauffeur or a pilot or a house cleaner or anyone that had knowledge of this child sex trafficking ring but didn't report it. And I have no doubt the prosecutors would have sat down with individual A and said, individual A, you're facing the following charges. We'll give you a non-prosecution agreement or a plea deal if you agree to spill your guts on Ghislaine Maxwell. And I think you'll find as this case goes on that there are so many people that have provided evidence against her that she really shouldn't try and fight this at trial. Now, whether or not Prince Andrew is charged, I think that Ghislaine Maxwell represents the top of the food chain. If justice is to be delivered to the uh, victims of Epstein and Maxwell, it will be done so not through Jeffrey Epstein. He, of course, committed suicide or was found dead of an attempted, believed to be an attempted suicide. Mm. Um, they That the Ghislaine represents the top of the food chain here. She was so intimately involved in it that this quite could quite well be the result the federal government wants. Do I think that they're going to go after Prince Andrew? I don't. Uh, initially, I, I, I had believed that he would have been classified as a uh, subject of this investigation. So in a federal case, there are three classifications, a witness, a subject, and a target. Maxwell was the target. Um, a subject is someone who is perceived to have information that could help bring down the target, but also might have engaged in criminal wrongdoing themselves and may be offered immunity or a plea deal. What we know is that Attorney General William Barr has said that Prince Andrew will not be extradited to the United States to face questions. So I think that this could be wrapped up in a nice little tight little bow and then the more sinister secrets about who knew what, when, how and why, perhaps will never, ever be revealed. And that would be in the United States's best national security interests, perhaps not our interests, because we don't know the truth and the abuse of corruption and power, but 
uh, that would be an ideal scenario because, as I said earlier, this is a case that is going to implicate both sides of the political aisle. Yeah. Now, with that with that said, um, you know, we did a we did a story. I did I did it the other other day. Um, you know, the president's son, Eric Trump, he he tweeted out a photo of former President Bill Clinton walking uh, his daughter down the aisle, and uh, just Lane is there in the side. You know, as they're they're coming down. And he said, birds of a feather. And now the people on Twitter ate him up. I mean, they just ate him up because, you know, President Trump has been photographed with her numerous times. And again, I just want to stress to people, look, I'm not saying President Trump is involved in that. I'm not saying that at all. But it's interesting, the people that all seem to kind of come together uh, in things. And, um, you know, I mean, they just they really excoriated him about this. Uh, and he eventually pulled the picture down. And you were talking about both sides and this kind of thing. And we know that that Donald Trump has had a lot of uh, friendships with the Clintons, for instance, um, who I would say are implicated in a lot of this. Uh, definitely Bill Clinton, for sure, uh, who's been on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express. Um, and then we have several times where Donald Trump had been uh, partying with Mr. Epstein and then later on, we knew that that according to him, when he found out what was going on, which I think was around 2011, he banned him from the properties he was on. Uh, so we, we do know that he did take a, an initiative to do that. But the question I have is, is there anything I mean, I, I think he's I think Trump is in Epstein's little black book, not on the flight log, but he's on he's definitely on in the black book. That doesn't necessarily mean that either. That could mean there's just contacts that they have and these kinds of things. But I'm just wanting your opinion on that from the things that you've looked at. What, what's the issue with uh, with our president? Um, I think both presidents, Clinton and Trump, have sought to minimize their involvement with Jeffrey Epstein. Let's first start with President Donald Trump. Um, he has said that he knew Epstein dating back to the late 80s and 90s. He said that he, as a member of Mar-a-Lago, he kicked him out of the organisation um, once he believed he was uh, complicit in wrongdoing. Um, what people don't know about President Donald Trump is the closeness that he had with Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine's father, Ghislaine, Jeffrey Epstein, and the notorious Saudi arms dealer Adnan Khashoggi. So just like Robert Maxwell had a boat, super yacht, named Lady Ghislaine after his daughter, Donald Trump purchased Adnan Khashoggi's boat and renamed it Lady Ivanka. And this all occurred in the late 1980s. So the extent of the relationship between Donald Trump and the, the Epstein criminal enterprise goes back decades. With regards to President Clinton, I have no reason to believe that he is guilty of anything other than picking bad company. Um, Jeffrey Epstein was critical in the early days of the formation of the Clinton Foundation. You need only look uh, at that little black book to see that Doug Band, uh, one of Clinton's closest advisors, is listed in there. And additionally, Ghislaine Maxwell's nephew served uh, for the State Department under Hillary Clinton. 
So there are, it's a complex web of intrigue, um, whether or not people were currying favour to ensure that they would be able to get people such as nephews in positions of power and influence within the United States government structure. But I can tell you with all certainty that both presidents uh, don't want to be dinged up by their association with Jeffrey Epstein and are doing everything in their power to put daylight between themselves and the criminal enterprise. Yeah, and one of the things, though, with the with the Clinton, at least we have him on various flight manifests uh, going to the island, from what I understand. Um, and uh, I, to me, that one seems to be the more open one uh, to me. That, that seems to be the more clear-cut one uh, is with uh, former President Clinton. Uh, this stuff here with with Trump, it's like you say, you, it's the birds of the feather that was Eric Trump's tweet. It's this it's this mingling together of the people, the shakers and movers, if you will, to position people in power, uh, position, position your kids in power. And, and for people who don't believe that Trump's kids are doing exactly what Biden's kids weren't doing with Ukraine, just take a look at uh, Ivanka. Uh, I can't keep the name. Ivanka. Uh, to go to Saudi Arabia and leave out of there with, what, $100 million for whatever she was doing. So there's all kinds of things in which these people intermingle together. Some of it's for money, some of it's for sex, some of it's for a number of things. But when we come right down to it, you were the thing I was thinking about earlier, and this was tied to Prince Andrew because of Virginia Roberts. And I don't know if you've seen the interview. I think it was with, with Virginia Roberts. I'm pretty sure it was. Um and it was 60 Minutes Australia, which does some great work. I mean, far better than the 60 Minutes here in the States. I'll and- fight you on that one, Tim. <laughs> I'll fight you on that one. Okay. Because they, uh, I actually sued 60 Minutes in Australia successfully uh, because they trespassed on private property and uh, harassed me at my office. So um, my views on 60 Minutes Australia are probably completely different to yours. Well, they probably are. I, I mean it as far as what I what I saw in the in the reports, and it hasn't been just. And this. It was a terrific report by Tara Brown. Let's let's not. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to mix the two up. The other reporter, Liam Bartlett, is uh, gutter trash, but Tara Brown <laughs> is a terrific reporter who did the interview. Yeah, I mean it was really great, and there's been some other reports that I've seen out of 60 Minutes Australia that I thought were great reports, uh, despite them trespassing on your property. Uh, but one of the things that, that she was bringing out was that she got closer to Ghislaine and she said, Ghislaine cares about nobody but Ghislaine. She doesn't care about anybody else. She cares about them. And one of the things that was interesting, she said that uh, there was something going on with college and I don't know if it was starting or if it was, I think it was just beginning uh, because she said they had to get go get the new bios, Um and they wanted to know what that was. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys have discovered in the writing of your book and things about what Ghislaine was doing at these at these colleges, going after these young girls? Yeah, so she would prey on people that were in lower socioeconomic areas. Um, she would uh, find individuals that had no money and offer them cash immediately, ask for referrals. You know, it's very interesting. I did another program yesterday talking about this, and the segment leading up to me was a uh, psychotherapist who was analysing Ghislaine Maxwell. 
And I was equally as fascinated and uh, petrified by the analysis that she's a narcissistic sociopath who only ever believed in uh, what was good for her, that she had father issues. And it was a it was terrific insight into who Ghislaine Maxwell is, but also at the same time, it just comes down to an issue of right or wrong. You can be a narcissistic sociopath, but still know that raping and abusing and procuring minors is wrong. And the consequences for those actions are imposed through the rule of law. So I don't care whether Ghislaine Maxwell is a sociopath. I care for the crimes that she committed, the innocent lives she destroyed, and the compromising work that she did to benefit herself and Epstein at the expense of the US citizen. That's what I care about. I don't care about her psychological makeup, and I don't think anyone should give uh, two hoots about it either. No, I, I, totally, I totally agree. I think this was something, though, that she was giving her the mindset that these were people outside. Uh, they seemed a certain way, and yet they were doing these things. And I'm totally in agreement with you. Sons of Liberty, that's the one thing that we say is being left off in America here is justice. People get caught doing all kinds of crimes, murdering people, raping people, sex trafficking, um, you know, engaged in all kinds of capital crimes, what our forefathers would have put people to death for. And yet what we do is we engage in all types of injustices. We put people in a eight by eight cell. It's an injustice to them, number one. Number two, it's an injustice to their, the victims, families and everybody else who had who are forced Basically, at the point of a gun, we'll throw you in there with them if you don't pay your taxes so we can feed, clothe, and house these guys. Um, <clears throat> so my my position is is very much like yours in saying there's there needs to be justice that's brought against people who engage in this kind of activity, especially on those who engage on those who are much younger. Uh, some have said, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen the documentation, but uh, I, I've seen teenagers, which would be, you know, in the pubescent stage, which would still be considered minors in many states, uh, but some have mentioned even prepubescent. I haven't seen those. Maybe you have, and you want to correct that record. But it, this, the thing is, is you're right. If you're raping these young women, if you're even uh, paying them and stuff like that, you're trying to coerce them in some kind of way, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out you're engaged in evil doing. You're, you're engaged in something that's wrong. You should be held accountable for that. Absolutely. I don't think that there were prepubescent uh, children involved in this trafficking ring. I believe they were likely teenagers. At least most of the victims' statements that I have read suggest that they are those. Um, but to your point earlier about the politicisation of these types of crimes and Eric Trump's tweet, I think really we're in a society, and, and, and if we take a step back from the Maxwell case, and now let's look at society. We have a president in the White House that is so divisive that the country during the midst of its un, most unprecedented crisis since World War II with COVID-19 is split down ideological lines and states are making decisions based on whether they're red or blue. And they're not getting leadership 
from the President of the United States who goes out and outwardly attacks uh, the head doctor responsible for fighting this pandemic. So if you use that as an example, and then you look at the way in which the media reacts to that, the media too is corrupted and polluted by partisan lines. CNN is no longer a news network. It's an opinion network in which anchors are mostly left. In fact, all of them are. On Fox, they're all right, and they've become radicalised and weaponized in the pursuit of advancing the cause to either get President Trump elected or get Joe Biden elected. And that's created the divided states of America. Yeah, I you know, I could fight you on that that last little bit. I don't think CNN has ever been a news network. I think they've been a propaganda outlet for a long time. I really do. And as far as Fox News, I don't think they're all right either. I think they're controlled opposition. That's what I've said for years. Um and they've they've got some people. I mean, they used to have um what's his name? Uh Alan Combs. I mean, he wasn't necessarily a right-wing guy either. Oh, of course. I mean, Hannity and Combs was a terrific yeah. program and sure. really was was like crossfire on CNN and presented both sides sure. of the argument. That's sort of this type of situation. But the media has lost the plot, yeah. in my view. It, and and the, the use of social media in politicising the news, such as Ghislaine Maxwell's arrest and Eric Trump, is just a deflection tactic from the other core issues which should be the focus of the administration. I want those that have been elected to be doing good for me, not be not to be doing good for me if only I'm a Republican. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, and that, I think that's where a lot of this gets lost. What people determine as good for me is how much am I going to get from the government, or how, which is really how much am I going to get from my neighbor, or what's the government going to do for me? And you know, really, when we started this, it was it was our founding fathers wanted an idea of independence. We wanted to be able to self-govern. We don't want, I certainly don't want a governor telling me which business is essential and non-essential. That's Nazism to me. Um, because every business is essential to somebody. The person owns it, it feeds their, feeds their family. Um, I don't want them telling me, hey, you got to wear a mask or we're going to fine you, we're going to arrest you. I don't want them telling me stuff like that. Um, people who are afraid they can do these kinds of things, they can stay at home if that's what they want to do and go out only when they want to. If they want to wear a mask, that's fine. But we're not to enforce those kinds of things. But I think the issue is, is we come down together. We want them to uphold the law. I mean, that's what they go there. They put their hand on the Bible. They raise their other hand and they say, before God and man, I'm going to uphold the Constitution. And what's the first things they start doing is undermining the Constitution, undermining our liberties. And instead of punishing evildoers, uh, they do the opposite. They often reward them. Um, I, I'm often amazed at uh, some of the things that, that transpire that a president, whether it's, and I call him the usurper. I don't think he was a president. I, I think he was illegitimate. Um, Mr. Obama, uh, and whether it's Trump or him or it's Bush or whoever it is, when they come in, they don't bring, they don't bring justice. They leave the corruption in place. They don't get it out because, let's be honest, they're part of it. I mean, could we say that Donald Trump has drained the swamp as he promised in the 2000s? No, we can't. Absolutely not. In I fact, mean, he's filled it up. Murky. Yeah, the swamp is murkier than it's ever been. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I've had a, I've had a whole show on that as well. And uh, listed all the people from Bilderberg that he's put in there, uh, all the people from Council on Foreign Relations. I mean, those guys don't really have America's best interests at heart. All of those people he's put in there. And who would put the, the CEO of Exxon as the Secretary of State? What what does that tell you about what's going on up there? Um, but those those things kind of fit into this, as to, I guess, as this unfolds some. Now, we had something uh, t- that came out on... Uh, Tuesday, and that is that Ghislaine is supposed to have been before the court in New York. Have you heard anything about that so far? Um, she is set to make that first appearance okay. on Tuesday. Um, and this is going to be enlightening for so many ways because we'll know whether she's cooperating, we'll know whether she intends to dig in and fight the charges, or whether she's whistleblowing. Okay. All right. Now, what are what are some of the things that uh, we could expect here um, from all that you know? I mean, we're talking about, gosh, uh, espionage. <laughs> we're talking about the sexual allegations. I mean, there's a ton of stuff, and and we're really saying we're just going to give her immunity uh, if she sings. Is that correct? I don't think they would ever give her total immunity. Okay, they would plea down her sentence. The reality is. Uh, as I colloquially referred to earlier, she's up the proverbial creek without a paddle. They can't indict someone the way they have and then allow them to roam free and that they're not going to proceed with the indictment. The only way that Ghislaine Maxwell walks amongst us free again is if uh, she successfully defends the indictment and wins. And I just can't see that happening. Yeah, I can't either, especially with uh, the numerous testimonies that have come out and uh, the information that we do have. Uh, we've got this other guy. What was the spy's name? I forget the guy's name. Ari Ben Mashani. This guy. <laughs> uh, especially, you know, are they? Do you th- do you suspect they'll be trying to get this guy as well and and bring him in uh, to testify? I don't think so, because okay. what we know is that the six count indictment is limited to Maxwell's involvement in the Epstein child sex trafficking enterprise. Um, The notion of the spying and international espionage is a subtext to all of this. Um, It is certainly seductive, but the federal government is not going to want to prosecute Ghislaine Maxwell on any of that if indeed the US government knew of her involvement in such actions. And we know that probably beyond a reasonable doubt, certain individuals did know that that was the case. Um, Cindy McCain, for example, uh, who is a zealous advocate of child of anti-child sex abuse and trafficking, she recently said, we all knew about Jeffrey Epstein. Well, her husband was a senator and he was a Republican. Bill Clinton was a Democrat. So be careful what you wish for. If the Senate decides to go down a route of exploring Maxwell and Epstein, which House Democrats have suggested previously that they were going to do as it related to uh, Acosta's sweetheart plea deal in Florida, I would say be careful what you wish for because both sides of the political aisle, both ideological lines, 
are involved in this. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you one thing. This is a little bit, uh, it's on it's on point, but it's uh, it's a little off from that. Are you familiar with a guy by the name of Steve Bing? Yes. Now, this guy, and I, I did hear that certain people said, that, you know, he had some issues of depression, but he was one that uh, years ago he was said, I think it was Vanity Fair said, he was part of Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express Circle. Uh, this guy. Never met him once. Go ahead. Do, you never, never met him? Never met him once. Okay. All right. Um, one, one of the things is, is that uh, this guy, takes a nosedive off the 27th floor of his apartment building. I think it says in LA um, earlier this month, um, or it was last month. Um, he was 55 years old. I, I got to tell you, when I see stories like this, I, I, I don't come out and just say, okay, well, somebody's off this guy. But it just seems so coincidental that these kind of things all go together. Do you ever get any sense like that? I mean, I'm not telling you to state something that that you don't believe but do you ever get any sense that some of this stuff just seems too coincidental uh, with things when someone decides to take their own life inevitably questions get raised what is the motivation behind it what could have pushed them over the edge why they weren't helped saved or rescued and why as a society do we not waken up to um, the prospect that, that these people could do that. Um, Steve Bing, uh, according to my sources, never met ever Jeffrey Epstein. Um, however, people have told me that Steve Bing did know information and was fearful um, that the information that he knew could get him into potential dire circumstances. But let's put some balance and perspective into that. His girlfriend had committed or had either committed suicide or had a drug overdose 12 months earlier. He was suffering from depression. Um, and all signs at this point point to a suicide and not uh, some sort of conspiratorial murder or assassination. But it's right to look and ask those questions. Sure. No, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's just a prudent thing to do. Uh, the only reason I was saying that about um, uh, Epstein was, was again, pointing back to, I think it was Vanity Fair. Yeah, Vanity Fair produced an article um, about him, about Jeffrey Epstein, in fact, and mentioned being as part of his, you know, Lolita's Express Circle. Now, I don't know where they got that from, uh, but they obviously... Um, had it within their 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 piece, and I think that was probably decades, a couple of decades ago, where they actually had this. I think it was, a, yeah, I think it was a Vicky Ward piece that she okay. wrote. Um, you know, Vanity Fair has not necessarily been the bastion of truth, uh, and never ever made an error. Um, sure. But what I would say to that is, uh, I'm taking the word of those very close to Steve, whom I spoke to in the immediate aftermath of his suicide and uh, they said unequivocally that he had told them he had never met Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I just, I wanted to ask about that. I know that um, some people will go, who's Steve Bing? Well, you know, he's a Hollywood producer. Um, sure. He had a child with uh, Elizabeth Hurley, which interestingly enough, 
had some ties back there with Bill Clinton in the past as well. Um, so that's that's who we're talking about. And this is a recent uh, death, Steve Bing's going along with this as well. And this happens, I mean, this happens right when Maxwell's got, that's where it makes you kind of wonder, like, what's going on here? Um, and usually this, this kind of thing surrounds these bigger cases. Let's get back to this, Ghislaine Maxwell. We've got just, just a few minutes to have you with us, and I appreciate your time. I always nope. I enjoyed the last interview we had uh, after Epstein, um, and this one's been good too. Tell us what you see coming as, in the future here with uh, Miss Maxwell. Um, you've presented she can go to one of two ways. What's your gut tell you in this? You think she's really going to try to uh, get out of this by... I guess singing about everybody or she's going to just try to fight it. What's your gut tell you before we, and by the way, people, this is pre-recorded. Um, I told you we were live at the first, sorry, I'm just used to saying that, but we haven't even heard the, uh, what's come out of New York yet for Tuesday. So what's your gut telling you probably is going to happen out of this? This is a stalemate at the moment. And it's a strategic stalemate on Gislang's behalf. Hold out, hold out, we're going to try this case, we're going to litigate it, we're going to defend it, hold out, hold out, and then the government gradually reduces the indictment or the consequences, maybe changes them from felonies to misdemeanours in some cases, and there will be some sort of coming together in an agreement, and she might serve 10 or 15 years jail. Um which any case is almost like a death sentence anyway. Um, I think that there will be a deal struck between the two parties. It's going to be some time off. Of course, if this was to be litigated uh, as a criminal case, it would take years. Um, so there is uh, some brinksmanship going on right now between Defence Counsel for Maxwell and the Southern District of New York. Okay. All right. Now, if that if that does go um, to court, uh, and this this kind of pans out, what are they going to do? Are they going to start bringing in all of these victims, these alleged victims um, that have come out? That the people who were kind of screwed over with uh, uh, the Epstein deal that he got, where they weren't even told that they were giving him a deal, and then they were ticked off that they find out after the fact that he's been given a deal. Are they going to have to bring these young, well, they're not young women anymore, uh, older women in to, to testify about things that happened 10, 20 years ago? Is that, is that what we're looking at? Well, the indictment as it stands relates to two specific victims. So they are likely to be cooperating witnesses with the government. Um, and they will obviously testify as to what they claim uh, Ghislaine did to them. Um, whether or not other witnesses are called for crimes that Epstein and Maxwell may have committed after uh, these two particular instances, they might be able to call them under the ability of showing a pattern of behaviour and misconduct. But as it solely relates at the moment, it's only two victims. Okay. Now that, of course, in this game of brinksmanship, could also be increased. They could bring further charges against her um, as she tries to get the sentence down. They could start to put it up. Okay. Um, I don't have the answers for you, Tim. No, I'm just asking. No, I'm just asking what your gut is. What I can assure you is 
I don't think we will have, we will have seen a more explosive trial if this goes to court before. Okay. This has the potential to rock the very foundations of not only our government but many other governments right around the world because of the way in which the tentacles of this criminal enterprise was able to put its, put themselves into so many different facets. And that's what's going to make this a very compelling case to watch as time goes on, as time goes by. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And it has the opportunity. I mean, it really has an opportunity to really take down a lot of people who've been in power for a long time, not only, like you said, in our government, but in other governments as well. And, uh, you know, I think, boy, you want to drain the swamp. This is what you got to do. You're going to have to take some of these people out um, and you're going to have to bring justice like we spoke about a minute ago. You know, our Constitution speaks about that for those who are representatives, for those who are presidents, those who are in the judiciary, uh, that we're to impeach them uh, if they're not behaving themselves. The term is good behavior. It, we're to impeach them. And then once we impeach them, we're to charge them. We're to, we're to bring justice to them. And unfortunately, this is why we have the problems that we have. We don't want to bring justice. We haven't been bringing justice. Um, we bring, we've been bringing a lot of injustice. With that said, we've got a, about a minute and a half or so. Tell people where they can find out more about you, Dylan, and, uh, and what you do. And uh, if you want to promote, you give a little plug for your book here too. You can do that. Sure. So the first book came out last November, Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. It's available at all good retailers and on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Uh, on October 6th, I will be releasing a sequel to that book titled Epstein, Inc., How the U.S. Government Used Blackmail for Big Business, um, which will certainly feature Maxwell very significantly and uh, published for the very first time numerous pieces uh, of evidence that we have obtained that does incriminate individuals by name. Um, and then, of course, you can always look on Amazon for other books that I've written in the last couple of weeks. I released one on Michael Jackson called Bad Money, Power and Betrayal and uh, a significant book on uh, the royal family and the split of Harry and Meghan uh, called Royals at War which was released uh, just around July 4th. Okay. Well, I, I'm assuming in the business that you're in, especially entertainment and, and things of that nature, there's never a dull story to come out of that. And uh, when you have that book uh, come back out, let's get you back on the show to talk about that. I would love to, Tim. Thanks very much for your time. Okay, Dylan, we appreciate your time too. And uh, thank you for the information. And uh, folks, be sure to pick up that book. Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales will have that linked in the archive of the show. Got my music going a little bit loud there. Uh, you can check that out on sunsofremedia.com a little bit later this morning when we post that. You guys, 23 hours, we'll talk to you. See ya.